Today's reading is taken from Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 13. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Achilla, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned at the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius, Justice, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching the word of God. While Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. So who knew? It turns out statues are really important. Statues tell the history of a place, of a city, of a nation. They say who or what really matters or is important or perhaps was important. So the toppling of a statue of Edward Colston last Sunday in Bristol by protesters on one of the Black Lives Matter marches started a huge discussion and debate. Who does matter in our society? What is really important? Should statues of Sir Winston Churchill, Baden-Powell or Cecil Rhodes be removed or at least reviewed? The statues in Edinburgh are interesting. Edinburgh is perhaps unique, being the only European city that has statues of three evangelical Christians on its main street. There are statues to Chalmers, Livingston and Guthrie on Prince's Street, celebrating their contribution to the city, society and indeed our history. But then there's the statue of Henry Dundas in St Andrew's Square. A former Home Secretary and Minister for War, he delayed the abolition of slavery in opposing the work of William Wilberforce and the Clapham sect. The debate around the future of the tallest statue in Edinburgh has again been highlighted this week. Is it right to have the statue of someone who caused suffering to thousands of black people and who benefited personally, materially, from the slave trade? Or should his statue remain 
with an alternative plaque being installed to remind us of one of the darker times of Scottish history. The decision about the statue will tell us a great deal about the sort of city that we live in and the sort of city that we want to live in. Cities have always been important places. Up until fairly recently, over the last 100 years, the idea has emerged that the future would look very much like a northern European city, think Bonn or Berlin. Such a place would be clean, well-ordered, with great coffee shops, creative industries, great public transport and a new civil religion of tolerance and progressive values. Our own city of Edinburgh's population has increased 12% in the last 10 years as cities round the world have grown and grown in their size and influence. But the reality is that for all our growth in Edinburgh, we remain small by comparison with the giants of the world. The city of Tokyo has 37 million people, Shanghai 27 million people, while Delhi is predicted to reach 40 million people by the year 2035. It makes our half a million paltry by comparison. The city of New York alone has 116 billionaires. London has just 51, while Los Angeles only 50. One person has said, though, that to the West's economic losers, big cities like Chicago or London are not so much magnets as they are death stars. Cities have always been strategic. Cities are strategic in the growth of our society and were always strategic in the growth of the early church. Within a few years of the death of Jesus, the church had spread to Athens, the intellectual centre of the ancient world, Ephesus, the religious centre, Rome, the military and political power, and here in Acts chapter 18, Corinth, the commercial centre of the ancient world. A city of three quarters of a million people, it had the advantage of having two seaports, one on either side of the isthmus. Its people were known to be proud, intellectually arrogant, wealthy and cultured, and it was the home to the Isthmian Games every two years for athletes from around the empire. It was also a city deeply associated with sex. The temple of Aphrodite or Venus employed over a thousand female slaves who served the goddess and roamed the streets of Corinth looking for new converts. And in Acts chapter 18, that passage that was read for us a few moments ago, we see one of the early leaders of the church, the Apostle Paul, arriving in the city tired and discouraged. He'd come from Athens where things had been really tough. Arriving in Corinth, he meets a couple, Priscilla and Aquila, themselves refugees from Rome. They were joined by two other followers of Jesus, Silas and Timothy. Paul, we're told, go straight to the synagogue as he usually did. But the Jewish congregation, as usual, sadly, did not respond warmly to his message that Jesus was the Messiah, and Paul grew frustrated. So in what was, even for Paul, an unusual move, he simply decamps next door to the home of someone called Titius Justus, who is described as a worshipper of God. Remarkably, the leader of the synagogue, Crispus, follows Paul and becomes a follower of Jesus together with his whole household. 
And then, remarkably, Paul gets a dream from God where God says, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one's going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. Reassured, Paul goes on various journeys, returning to stay in Corinth for 18 months as he both teaches other people but is also nurtured in his faith by his new friends Priscilla and Aquila. Corinth was not the perfect place to live. The church in Corinth was not a perfect church. Read 1st or 2nd Corinthians to see what's going on in the city and indeed what's going on in the church and the issues that Paul has to deal with. But the church in Corinth influenced the city and that's always been God's design that we as Christians should influence where we live that we as Christians should influence the city that we should be salt and light in the places where we find ourselves so some questions for us this morning wherever we live if it's not the city of Edinburgh how are we influencing the culture of the place where we live? If we live in Edinburgh, how are we as the church or part of the church in this city influencing the city of Edinburgh? In his book, Scattered Servants, Alan Scott points out this. The church, he says, is not peripheral to the culture. It's essential for the culture. If I'm honest, sometimes... I get angry when the church is described as the faith community, as if we're separate from the rest of society. But I sometimes wonder if the church were to cease to exist, how different would Edinburgh be? Historically, very different. But in the present and the future, what difference are we making to the city? Secondly, how are we influencing the culture and life of the city? Remember, lockdown gives us an opportunity as well as a challenge. Why, what might God be saying to us as we go back into the new normal? How could we live lives that are different? How could we be more attractive? How could we live lives that demonstrate the love and the grace and the power and the kindness of Jesus? Thirdly, have we got people around us who can encourage us and keep us going? Paul had Priscilla, Aquila, Silas and Timothy. Who do we have around us? Are we in a connect group? And who is in, if you like, our support bubble, spiritually as well as emotionally and physically? And then finally, do we need to hear the words of God to Paul this morning? Those words spoken to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid because I have many people in this city. Words that he spoke to the prophet Elijah thousands of years before. I have many people in this city. It's easy to feel alone at the moment. It's easy to feel fearful and anxious. It's very easy as a Christian to feel as a minority because we are. 
But hear the word of God to us this morning. Do not be afraid, because I have many people in this city. There are always more of God's people than we can see, sometimes in surprising places.